with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller, on a post-debate Wednesday morning. We are going to vent a little bit, try to work our feelings out as we gather here in the tree of trust and understanding, safe space, the nest. Uh, and then we'll move on to some political smart talk. Guys, uh, can I... Can I, uh, I? I'm not on Twitter, obviously, but I, I Is that have true. I have a bunch of people who are sort of like Shabbos Twitter for me, mm. and who will bring me. Look at this thing on Twitter. Look at this thing on Twitter. Because sometimes you see my tweets pretty quick for somebody that's not on Twitter. Oh, I have a lot good. of. I have a lot of Shabbos Twitter. Get him, Tim. Get him, because he's. You're totally right. He absolutely sees things. And. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed in the 12 hours since the debate ended is the emerging consensus that it was a disgrace. It was a catastrophe. Just these two guys there shouting at each other. And it was a shout fest. And Trump just kept interrupting. And Biden was calling him names. And boy, can you believe how terrible this is? And this is like... I don't know about you guys, but I have found myself over the last three years, there are a whole bunch of things that people on the left used to complain about, like globalized things that I would poo-poo. Like, for instance, people on the left would say, my God, uh, like half of all the things conservatives believe are just because of racism. And I would say, no, that's crazy. And now I'm like, no, okay, that sounds about right. And then they would say like, oh, the media does this ludicrous both sidesism when clearly only one side is to blame. And I would say, no, leave the media alone. The media is basically fine. No, like this is last night. It was not both sides. It, it, Joe Biden was not a problem. The probably the, the both sides of this is like it's like being in September 1939 and looking at the Soviet invasion of Poland and saying, boy, you know, I just hate seeing the Russians and the Poles fighting like that. It's really horrible. Why? Why do they have to resort to violence to settle their differences? You guys, am I yeah, the only one? Yeah, no, you're not. Am I, I crazy? So here's the thing. I'm trying to separate the thing that gets my blood pressure up the highest, which is like uh, what you were referencing at the start, you know, our friends on Twitter who like claim to hate Donald Trump, but, but, oh boy, Joe Biden was pretty mean last night. Uh, he, he, you know, his, uh, his behavior is pretty inappropriate. I, you know, he called the president by his first name, <laughs> just like maddening, you know, it's, it's like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. You mean Joe Biden defended himself after, you know, the president of the United States randomly broadsided his son's cocaine habit. Uh, I'm so, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, and was repeatedly interrupted like Cartman yelling at his mother. Um, uh, so while that is, you know, more blood pressure raising, the, the the analytical side of my brain and the thing that is the more upsetting uh, was something that I saw a um, uh, quick plug uh, when I was on MSNBC this morning. You know, we're all important. We do TV. Um, not all of but, us. But uh, before, <laughs> uh, some of us, two thirds of us are important and do TV. Uh, others don't get invited. Um, but before my segment, they showed, and they didn't make any commentary on this. So it was just kind of like a news update, top of the hour. They showed headlines from across the country. And it was all in all these local papers, you know, this Post-Dispatch and the Detroit Free Press. It's like, candidates clash. Like, 
ugly fight between you know uh, monsters or like descent of democracy and and, uh, that is really the more concerning part right jbl is that like this is that take is what is trickling down to your average voter who didn't watch last night or maybe had it on in the background whether dealing with their kids or dealing with you know i guess it was dinner on the west coast but bedtime on the east coast Uh, uh, that does trickle down to people. And, and and that is a problem. And this is something that Trump has used throughout his entire presidency, which is um, the implicit biases of the media, right? His big complaint is that the media hates him. And that's probably true. On a personal level, they hate him. But, but the reality is that he actually benefits from these implicit biases of the media feeling like they need to be fair to both sides. They're two sides of the same coin of, of, of focusing on what happened most recently of, you know, not um, um, wanting to, you know, put their thumb on the scale too much. He, He benefits from this. And so you had these headlines, none of the headlines in any state was like president of the United States explicitly, uh, uh, um, endorses white nationalist group. President of the United States th- uh, uh, says that the um, uh, election, that the U.S. election is rigged. You know, it says that our democracy is not real. It, it spreads Putin's talking points. You know, the president of the United States acts like a belligerent child. Like that was not the headline in any paper throughout the country. And that is concerning as a political matter. Yeah, I mean, the, the the correct headline is President of the United States has meltdown and throws temper tantrum on live TV, um, former vice president unable to, you know, have a normal debate. Like, like Joe Biden, um, look, I've, and I've got, rate. yeah, I've got, I've got, <laughs> that's a, that's a clicky headline, uh, but it's also what happened. Now, I've got a lot of, I have, I have criticisms of, of Joe Biden. I thought he could have handled things better or differently, but like, Donald Trump's strategy coming into this was, okay, I've got one plane to try to make Joe Biden seem senile and like he's not up to it. And so I'm just going to throw him off his game by just acting like a complete barking lunatic, which of course Trump is a complete barking lunatic. It's not that he wasn't himself. He was himself, but he was himself on like 15. And he did look like that scared, cornered, uh, uh, angry animal. And, uh, I thought that the parts where Joe Biden was the most effective was where he was trying to look at the camera and talk directly to the audience in kind of this like, can you see what I'm dealing with here kind of way? I'm trying to talk about you. I'm trying to talk about your lives. And this lunatic over here just keeps interrupting. That being said, I wish I wish that there had been um, more strength in the way that he, he did it. Uh, I didn't have any problem with him telling the president to just shut up, man. I didn't have any problem with him calling him a clown. But I did think that like Donald Trump was successful in the rattling of Joe Biden. That being said, all of the, the, the headlines, if the headlines, you know, are, you know, these guys clashed and it was an embarrassment or whatever, that's not great. And I don't think it's an accurate picture, but I also think that it has the benefit of creating a kind of neutrality to the whole event in which Joe Biden loses no ground. It wasn't neutral though. It wasn't a neutral event. Right. I mean, there is no, there is no equivalence here. They are, I mean, Trump lied constantly. Biden basically only said things that were factually true. The handful of things that he said, which were not factually true, were pretty minor. Uh, Trump steamrolled right over everything the moderator asked him to do. Biden 
once or twice violated what the moderator wanted him to do when Chris Wallace chastised him for it. Biden immediately was like, yeah, okay. You know, and just settled down. And and what is it that we wanted Biden to do differently? Because frankly, had he been perfectly poised in all of this, then the rap against him would have been, look, he's weak. Look, he didn't even, you know, it would have been like Mike Dukakis with the, what would you think about the death penalty for, um, you know, the, a guy who murdered your wife? It would be like, look, he's so bloodless. Look, how is it that he wouldn't even, he's not even willing to fight. And so um, I, I will tell you, I think that if he had been much more forceful in saying, I am trying to have a debate here where the American people learn more about my positions. And this guy just wants to keep throwing nonsense into it. And that he was doing a sort of like a very shaky, uneven version of that. Uh, and I just, what Donald Trump was doing was so outrageous, um, that I just want, I just felt like, like he should have had, uh, like certain, there are certain things. I mean, look, I I don't want to be the Biden critic, uh, here, but like when Donald Trump says, what are you going to do, um, about, you know, court packing Biden should have an answer to that. Uh, and so like, I just, I just felt like, look, there was a way, there was a way for Joe Biden to turn this into an unequivocal win. And I didn't think he made that turn as effectively as I wanted him to. Okay. So I want to get into Biden, um, figure skating judging in a second, but, but, um, while you guys were talking, I did just Google a few of these headlines because I just want to, to, uh, um, put a point, finer point on it. Detroit free press, Trump, Biden trade jabs in bitter battle. Gazette. (laughs) Much drama, little debate. Um, we get the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, war of words at first debate. Um, we've like got these Hartford are all just Grand, misleading. Trump, right? Biden, yeah, Trump, Biden, wage crucial face-off. Uh, Anchorage, chaotic first Trump-Biden debate marked by bitter taunts and attacks. Biden-Trump first debate heated. Arkansas Democratic Gazette. Out of this the is gate, jabs quickly get personal. This is just not like like they're not describing what happened. Like that's just it's not what absolutely happened. Absolutely unconscionable. Like I I I don't mean to like hot about it, but it's insane. Get hot, get hot. No, I mean this is this is you know like like yeah, <laughs> JBL, uh, Arizona Daily Sun candidates clash. Trump Biden spar over Supreme Court health care and race. <laughs> like that is just not what happened for ninety minutes. It's not even close to what happened. You know, and you know, I, 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 we could, we should, you should do a whole sub. What is it called now? The sub beacon, the sub bulwark, whatever it's called now. Episode of like doing fake headlines from movies about, you know, uh, where where you totally misrepresent what 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 happened. I mean, yeah, Star Wars. The summary of Star Wars is uh, green skinned bounty hunter gunned down in bar. You know, like that's what Star Wars is about, or something. (laughs) Yeah, I, I. You know, I, I saw one of the anti-antis on Twitter last night who uh, who got real exercised over the fact that Joe Biden said that Antifa was an idea because as this is this gentleman who is no, who's not for Trump. Mind you, he is not for Trump, but he really had a bone to pick because the vice president said that Antifa is an idea. And actually, the FBI says that Antifa is an ideology and that those two things are radically different. And how dare he? And I just I, I looked at this and I I just I don't understand what planet these people are living on. I don't I don't understand anything. I don't understand the psychology. Like at that point, just be like, dude, I'm into MAGA. Suck it. Right. And wh- why not just why not just embrace? Right. What is the psychology that forces you to try to humiliate yourself? 
on in public like that to quasi defend a guy it's, who I mean it's clinical compartmentalization like they've just they, they have I, I, you know it's look it's something that I'm familiar with and then I have like looked back on you know as you say JVL or you know earlier um, about some of these democratic complaints that, that sound like they make sense to you I look back on some of the things I did and you just kind of compartmentalize it I mean this is in the most extreme example nothing that you know we we're doing during the uh, whatever Romney campaign was was really was similar to this, but but you just compartmentalized to the point where I literally think that these people kind of tune out what Trump says and have just like decided that like oh Donald Trump's just Donald Trump, so I'm not really even going to like pay that much attention to him, and I'm just going to zero in on nitpicking anything that I can find about Joe Biden or Chris Wallace um, that I find is inappropriate, and 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 I th- I literally think that they have convinced themselves that this is a fair and balanced way to look at it. Like, I, I don't think that they think that they're hiding the ball. I think that this is like, this is a clinical psychological problem. So here's the, the other half of this is the, the print, the print coverage of it, which is wildly misleading. And then there's the cable news coverage, which is again, both sides. So Rick Santorum was on CNN last night. Chris Christie's been all over. What does he do? Does he do MS? A- no, he's ABC. He's ABC. And Chris Christie's, you know, asked about the Proud Boys stuff uh, and whether or not this was a an endorsement of the Proud Boys. He just says, uh, well, I didn't hear it that way. How is he allowed? Why, why do you put somebody on your air to lie? And then Rick Santorum, Rick Santorum is on, is on CNN and uh he he complains when brought when asked about the Proud Boys thing. He complained, you know whose fault that is? You guys are never gonna guess whose fault that is. Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace's fault. Mm-hmm. Because Asking Chris Wallace asked the president to do something that he knows the president doesn't like to do. <laughs> which is, get ready, buckle your chin straps, which is to say bad things about people who support him. Which are which, which is which the implication the white, is the white, the, the white supremacists, yeah. Which is like the white supremacists support him. Why you why would you ask him to condemn people who support him? You know he can't do that. What the f- I've been told that I should curse less on the show. And I'm really trying I'm trying. I feel like Sam Jackson at the end of Pulp Fiction. I'm trying hard to, to be, be the, the shepherd. Show. So what are these broadcast companies doing putting people like that on their air? Wait, can I just tell you? I mean, I, the the answer to this is is obvious, um, and and I think that look, all three of us have spent plenty of our careers just absolutely, uh, you know, yelling about the media's left wing bias, which I think that we would all agree is is something that exists, and so they have this kind of studied neutrality now that they're trying to do. I mean. Donald Trump is uh, is the president was elected not by the majority of the country, but like was elected. So they feel like they have to, you know, like this is and I understand to some degree the conundrum that they're in where they feel like, you know, he represents a significant chunk of the country and they want they know that they're perceived as being biased. They're not trying to lean into that bias. And so in some ways, they sort of overcorrect in this crazy way where instead of having headlines where like the big takeaway from the debate such as it was, was unhinged Donald Trump refuses to condemn white supremacists. Like that should be in normal times, the headline, but it's not because they want to, they are, they are struggling for some fake neutrality. 
Like that is what's happening. Yeah, uh, Megan Kelly uh, fired off a very fair criticism of MSNBC JVL to, that answers your question. She said, "Why didn't they have any Republicans on the show? Nicole Wallace doesn't count uh, in the post game." And it's like, well, uh, who? I guess she wants to be on. I mean, uh, you know, uh, who do you want to have on? Right? Like everybody you would have on uh, would either have to say what happened, which is that Donald Trump can, you know, um, uh, didn't didn't just refuse to condemn white supremacists. Basically, gave them some some instructions, uh, you know, and was and was completely unhinged. Or you can have on the people like Rick Santorum, like you said. Uh, or uh, I'm looking right now at a at an image someone sent me of Ari Fleischer this morning on Fox holding up a whiteboard that says number one, interrupt less. Number two, let Biden flail. I guess this was his advice for the president of the United States in the next in the next debate, talking to him like a like a third grader um, going into their their deal. Um, Tim, let's can I pass the baton to you yeah. to talk more about the Proud Boy stuff because this is does seem to me like the two big headlines from the debate should be the white nationalism stuff and then the refusal to pledge to tell his supporters to be peaceful following the election yeah more than that I'll, I'll hit on both um and 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 first on the proud boys thing i want to uh if, you, if folks will just bear with me i want to read a paragraph um that was written last year august 2019 uh you could call the killer who shot up a walmart in el paso evil a madman or a lone wolf if you like but it would be an intolerable omission if we did not also call him a white nationalist terrorist this ideology is a growing sickness in america and president trump has a duty to thoroughly and roundly denounce it Oh, I could. I, I, it's possible that's the best paragraph that's ever been written in the Washington Examiner, um, uh, which uh, has a lot of, uh, uh, I think, anti-antis and and Trump curious uh, reporters and commentators. Um, and yet, last night, um, Donald Trump not only did not do what they suggested here, thoroughly and roundly denounce it. Um, he did not. Uh, name white nationalist terrorism. Uh, he did not address it. Uh, what he did uh, was uh, suggest that the Proud Boys, which is a far right white identity group, uh, stand by uh, because somebody has to do something about Antifa. It was the single most despicable answer that's ever been given in a presidential debate since they began being televised um, by by extremely wide margin. It's hard, to, I guess, if you took out what Donald Trump sa- has said in, in his debates, it's hard to imagine like what would be second place, um, a very distant second. Um, he was abundantly clear about it. Um, there are a number of people who have tried to parse this morning, you know, the fact that he said, sure, when asked first, before 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 saying that the Proud Boys should stand by for a race war, he did he did say sure when asked if he we should condemn white nationalist uh, terrorism. I, I I don't know that doesn't sound like a ringing condemnation to me. Um, uh, but I, I just it's it, it's sometimes hard you know hard to lose the perspective on on just how important of a moment that is, and when you see. Um, uh, the response to it, there was one group of people, I think, that really kind of heard clearly what he was saying, and that was the Proud Boys themselves. I don't know. JVL, what do you think? Yeah, well, this is so this is what Trump always does. He has these things. He tries to have them in all of the ways. So, you know, he he will refuse to condemn David Duke for three days and then he'll do it in a half hearted one sentence way. And then he'll say, see, I condemn David Duke. And. The answer is always a condemnation doesn't count if the person doesn't believe you mean it. 
right? So if if you condemn somebody and they are winking at you and going, yeah, big guy, I know what you mean. I got your back. Then you didn't actually condemn them. Like this is just how this is the simple math and the way to tell whether or not uh, something is real. And he, I, I, it is inconceivable that this happened, but there it was. He tried to dance around by doing the thing he does, which is the non-answer, you know, sure, I'd be willing, you know, what? and then when Biden pushed him on it, which again, very, very good job by Joe Biden and said, okay, well then do it, then say it. Then Trump got boxed into the corner. Well, what, what word do you want to say? Because he doesn't want to come up with his own word. He can't just say, sure, I condemn white nationalism. It's bad, right? I mean, how hard is that? It's like seven words. And, he's worried uh, that he's worried that he's worried that he'll say the wrong thing. I mean, to, to your point, he knows that there that there is voters. He's worried that he'll say the wrong thing and offend them. So that's why he won't. That's why he asked them to come up with a word. Um, Sarah, I don't know. Did you see? what Elizabeth Newman and, and Olivia Troy had to say about this exchange last night. I mean, I, I just think that um, even if I just think that the clarity that they've had from, from being inside, um, you know, has been noteworthy. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about Elizabeth uh, during this moment um, because, you know, if you haven't seen Elizabeth or don't know who she is, she um, can't remember her exact title, but, but she was um, sort of the deputy counter deputy of threat prevention, deputy of counterterrorism and threat prevention. And one of the things that she said in the Republican voters against Trump video that she made when she sort of came out and told her story was that, as they continued to go to the president and talk to him about the increasing threat of white nationalism, he was completely uninterested in doing anything about it, didn't want to talk about it, struck it from their reports uh, that would go out to the public. And and the assertion that she made was that he was actively making her job harder, actively undermining the government's attempts to push back on the increasing threat of white nationalism because his rhetoric was giving them aid and comfort, which of course he did again very clearly last night. You know, that exchange, I've seen this parsing and it is uh, gobsmacking because when when he's saying sure, uh, he was sort of there was this like um, it was more like he was like receiving the question and saying sure. And then when both of them are like, okay, say it, he just kind of he goes, what? What do you want me to say? And they were like, condemn white nationalism. And then he says, well, I don't see that. I only see Antifa and 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 threats from the left. And so he he it is it is so easy. It is like the most basic uh you know, easiest thing to do to just say, yeah, I condemn white supremacists. I don't like Nazis. Never can go wrong saying you don't like Nazis, but in his case, he actually and then to have somebody like Chris Christie defending or it wasn't Chris Christie, sorry, Rick Santorum, what he Who said knows? was it, it was so so shocking what Rick Santorum was, which was you know, he doesn't want to be in a position to criticize people who support him, which is to say, hey, listen, we've got to accept the support of the white supremacists, too. I mean, the Republican Party of 20 years ago would have said would have. I mean, you, can you imagine people going on TV being like, yeah, well, look, we don't want to piss off the people who are white supremacists who vote for us. Insane. Of uh, five years ago, not 20 years uh, ago, you're five, right. years five, ago, five years right? ago. You're no, exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly. Ari Fleischer, Chris Christie, Rick Santorum that like now it, like Donald Trump has has just turned them into th- this like like just the total moral equivocation on this. I mean, the good news is that we no longer have to be lectured by anti-antis like Rich Lowry about how how disgraceful it is to suggest that Trump supporters are white nationalists because Rick Santorum has just admitted it on live television for us. 
So, you know. Um, and, you know, I just, I guess it's worth spending a minute looking at the parsing that, you know, it's the more, the more deft people than, um, than, than Rick Santorum offered. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Dan McLaughlin at National Review said that um, uh, he <laughs> the, was the cranky baseball. Yeah, he was volunteering to denounce as long as it was failed clear lawyer. who he was being asked to denounce, and he asked for peace. Uh, we've got um, the Federalist person saying that Trump didn't refuse to denounce white supremacy as much as the media is now saying. Look at his first reply. I was like, what was his first reply? And then I sort of scrolled down and looked at um, her reply to herself. And she said, well, he said, sure. <laughs> and then Dan McLaughlin's point was, well, he said, um, he said, I want, um, uh, you know, when, and then he followed that up by saying, I'm prepared to do it. I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the white wing. I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. He didn't. Did he say the white wing? Uh, sorry, the right wing. Did I say white? <laughs> you said uh, white. Uh, Freudian. Um, yeah, so th- so that's what they're hanging, hanging their hat on. Uh, amidst the word salad of giving the Proud Boys an attaboy, he did throw in and I want to see peace, and he did say sure. Yeah, so what, well, what know, do you Stalin think? Is, are you, any of you too, compelled polls- by those more nuanced defenses? Yeah, no, Stalin wanted peace too. If the Poles would just, you know, roll over and uh, and die, then they would have there would have been peace in Poland, right? I mean, this is... I can't even believe we're having this debate. I, I gotta stop now, or I'm gonna say things I regret. Well, can we um, just let's let, let's just shift really quickly to just one other. So there were two two to me points where I thought Donald Trump. I mean, the whole thing for Donald Trump, he was a monster the entire way through. But he did. He had two moments. One was the white supremacist moment, and the other one was where he attacked uh, Bo Biden, and. Um, I, I listened, I re-listened to the tape this morning and I got almost choked up by it. Um, listening to Joe Biden articulating the fact that his son who had gone uh, to Iraq, his son Bo had gone to Iraq and fought, been there for a year, uh, and that he he was not a loser and he was not a sucker. And Donald Trump says, I've never heard of him. I've only heard of Hunter and and starts going on this attack about about Hunter and his cocaine habit. At which point Joe Biden says, I've got a son with an addiction problem. And and listening to, to Joe Biden defend his son against um, what to me was just Donald Trump at his absolute grossest, which is saying something because he's deeply gross. Uh, I just I just really it, it was just such a clear picture of what is between these two people where one man is a decent human being. And the other one is a disgusting monster. I mean, can you just, I, 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 I forget if I, who I said this to last night, but like, can you imagine if, you know, during the 2004 debate against John Kerry, like Joe, like George Bush spent half the time talking about Teresa Hines Kerry, or, you know, if in 2012, Barack Obama had spent the entire debate talking about Craig Romney handsome Craig Romney. It's just like, it was, it's just an utter display of weakness in addition to the, the moral, the, the immorality of it. And the fact that Joe Biden has lost two kids, you know, had to defend, uh, you know, against, you know, his surviving son's um, 
you know, drug addiction, like on a debate stage when 2000 people or 200,000 people have died from the virus, when we're in the midst of just this economic calamity, like why, you know, Hugh Hewitt says on tweet, tweet last night that Trump won because one of his goals was to put Hunter on the table. Do people really want Hunter on the table? Like, is that, was that a priority out there? And these, they're, they're just so warped in what, well, that's how, that's how you improve people's lives, right? That's how you improve people's lives. By, by talking about Hunter Biden, that's that's the plan. That's the plan right. on health care. Hugh knows Hugh knows better. Hugh knows this isn't wrong. Look, if Donald Trump had so. gone out and had a heart attack on stage, Hugh would have said afterwards, well, if the president's strategy was to come out and have a myocardial infarction on stage and then smack his head on the floor as he came out, then, uh, you know, he mission accomplished. He did just what he set out to do. Right. I mean, this is like. And Hugh's job is just to defend this guy because his livelihood depends on it. That's what his gig is. He is paid to go out and defend him every bit as much as Kaylee McEnany is. Um, and so it's just a question of who's just, paying the salary. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I guess. But like, you can't. I mean, you really can't come up with like anything better than that. Like this. Like, can can we not just have a moment of humanity with regards to, to Hunter? I guess not. Um, I, no. I presume that it gets worse the next debate, and he brings Hunter's baby mama or whatever you know to the debate as a special guest instead of Melania or something. I mean, this is the only card they have. I just laugh at the people who are like, "Oh, he's going to moderate to modulate a little bit next time." Okay. Um, I, I do want to throw one more thing before we you know get to just the pure politics, and you know here we are 40 minutes into this or whatever and we haven't even brought this up um which you know this 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 exchange by trump which would you know by a mile be the most insane thing that any major politician has said in this country in any of our lifetimes by a mile uh, he says this last night um if you again if you disclude things that donald trump has said um uh, he said that they came uh, that uh, the Obama administration was spying on my campaign. They came after me trying to do a coup. We've caught them all. President Obama knew about it. You were involved, so don't tell me about a free transition. Um, and then after that, he went on to talk about how we can't trust the vote count um, because people in Philly are bad dudes. I assume that's I assume we're talking about black people there, but I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he's also just talking about Eagles fans or something. Um, yeah, uh, you know, fair. That's yeah. a fair point. Um, people in Philly are bad dudes. Uh, I, you know, I, I have like dug deep in this and wrote about it a couple times for the bulwark. Like this is an absolutely batshit insane theory that the president of the United States ordered the campaign to ordered his campaign to spy on Donald Trump's campaign, and they did it by going through this. A former Russian asset, Carter Page, who's like an ancillary hanger on. Okay. It's like the Donald Trump's damn champ campaign chairman was a Russian asset. Okay. The campaign chairman was in debts to the Russians and was a Russian asset. Right. So a, you know, if, 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 if there, if there wanted, to, if there was an appropriate spying target, um, uh, a por- appropriate person to have their phones tapped, it'd be the now jailed former campaign chairman, um, Paul Manafort, who was a Russian asset. Uh, it's, it's a crazy theory. And this is D list, banana republic dictator stuff you can't trust the election they tried to coup me last time you know there is nothing comparable in in our lifetimes and what is the meaning of the the word coup right i mean the 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 word coup has a very specific meaning right is coup d'etat is it a, a overtaking of the state and it means people overthrew the legitimately elected government that didn't happen and the president of the United States says that it was attempted. Like what? The, and yet we all, 
this itself was like, you know, is an actual lie and a really big lie. And it's buried under so much other stuff that everybody just walks right in and we all just go, oh, well, he doesn't know what a coup means, you know, or, oh, he's too stupid to know, or he's just hyperbole or it's just, this is insane. You know, um, there were two candidates in 2016 and uh, apparently both were under investigation. We knew about one of the investigations. It was made public. It was made even more public 15 days before the election. And it wasn't about Donald Trump. In fact, Donald, the investigation into Donald Trump's campaign remained entirely secret and out of view of the voters. If the FBI and the deep state had been trying to take Donald Trump down, they would have made their investigation public, but they didn't. They made it public about Hillary Clinton because it had been ongoing and people knew about it and they, they re-upped it in this cataclysmic way. And so the entire, uh, the entire complaint that these guys have is just overrun by anybody who takes five seconds to look at the facts on the ground. And how that played out in 2016. Sarah, can you can you be the voice of sanity and optimism? Because I, I will say it is important for people to understand that Trump's performance in the debate is not meant to appeal to people like us. So the fact that we all did not like it does not surprise me. Uh, are there people for whom that was effective? I mean, I assume that for everybody in MAGA land, that was like a wet dream for them. But those people were all Trump supporters going in. For the how, what percentage of voters say they're undecided or left? 6%, 11%? I don't know what the number is. How are they going to see that? You know, um, I don't like to speculate because using if, my if you own, tell me they're going to come out and say, boy, both sides were really bad, then I'm going to gouge my eyes out with a grapefruit yeah. spoon. All right. We'll stay calm here. Start sharpening second. the spoon, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, so here is the thing that uh, I've been, I'm doing a focus group tonight. And so I will have concrete information on, on this. And I never like to substitute my own judgment of something for voters judgments because, because I TDS because I talk to these voters all the time and they do view the world differently than we do. And JVL has a tough time accepting that, but it is true. Um, and going into the debate, I had, I had had a focus group last week, um, women that I'm now tracking with. So I've, I've talked to them before and uh, it's a great, great group of, of undecided voters, many of whom are in Pennsylvania. And you know what they, they were, they're out on Trump. They think Trump is awful. They think he's heinous. But what they wanted was something, they want to know something, they want Joe Biden to give them an affirmative reason to vote for them. And their biggest concern about Joe Biden, there's really two. One is that he's not up to it, right? Because the senility thing has sunk in out there, the hiding in the basement uh, narrative, right? People um, are grabbing onto that. The other one that has sunk in is that he will be a tool of the far left, um, now, both of those frames are things that Donald Trump was trying to really, really drive home last night. Uh, and to some degree, it wasn't without some effectiveness insofar as Joe Biden did look shaky and like he was having a tough time getting his footing. And on some of the places where they were, tr Trump was trying to pin him down on policies like filibuster, court packing, um, law and order. Joe Biden just wasn't as forceful as I thought he needed to be, um, although he was really good on the Green New Deal. Um, but in terms of him trying to make his case about what he was going to do, Donald Trump simply wasn't going to let him do it. I mean, he just interrupted him every time he tried uh, to get anywhere. That being said, so I'll be interested to hear what what they think. But there is no way 
that Donald Trump's performance last night, I'm not sure whether Joe Biden picked up a bunch of new people, but I am certain that Donald Trump did not. So Donald Trump goes into this seven, eight points behind nationally. He needed to go into this debate and pick people up. Joe Biden needed to have a bad debate and Donald Trump needed to have a good debate. That is not what happened. And what happened is, is that Donald Trump looked like a lunatic more so than the normal. And Joe Biden didn't quite clear the bar of, nope, I'm 100% here. I've got this. I am firm footed. And like, I can, I can stand up to this guy. I don't think Joe Biden quite cleared that. But I don't think that, that there is not a sub- female suburban voter in the world, in my opinion, who Donald Trump is just dying with, who watched that debate last night and said, oh, yeah, that guy. Sure, I wasn't convinced before, but now I'm on board. And so I just think the good news is, is that from an, like what happened last night was horrible. And I think Tim made this point last night, and I thought it was a good one, is that uh, at the end of the day, for some of these undecided voters, they may have watched that last night and just been like, I opt out. Like, I'm not, I'm not voting. And if that's the case, okay. Um, I think Donald Trump had to, had to change the structure of the race. He had to pick people up, and he didn't do it. Does that make you feel a little bit better? No. Tim, I'm ready to make you feel worse. Tell me about the senility thing. Do you agree with Sarah that he did not clear that bar? Um, I I thought that the first 30 minutes were really shaky. I did not think that he's senile or that he's going senile or whatever. But I thought he was shaky the first 30 minutes. And I think that to act like he wasn't is not just is not real. Um, uh, I, I don't, you know, I think that for people that stayed for the whole debate, I thought that Joe picked up a lot of momentum. Um, I thought he was strong on talking to the camera on uh, the coronavirus um, issue when they got back and forth on the family debate. And he's talking about how I care about your family. I I disagree with Sarah totally on the law enforcement thing. I I thought that he handled the law enforcement thing perfectly, except for like the fact that he couldn't come up with anybody that had supported him in law enforcement, which is just not true. So I hope the campaign takes care of that today. But um, I, I thought that his answer about how he does support law enforcement and how Trump kept being like, you won't even say law enforcement. And then he's like, yeah, I support law enforcement. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the transcript, but I thought his answer, uh, I thought he balanced the law enforcement question completely reasonably. I don't think anybody cares about Supreme court packing. So I don't think that's a big deal. I think he handled green new deal. Well, I think he handled separating himself from Bernie. Well, maybe a little too well. Um, and so I, I, I have more, I have a little bit of concern on the, on the Biden performance and that people who just watched the first 30 minutes and tuned off, um, are, you know, weren't reassured. Um, and I also have a little bit of concern on the enthusiasm gap. Um, I, I do think that it's possible not only that some undecided voters watched that last night and said they're out. I think it's possible that some 20 year olds watched that night at last night and said, I hate that both these guys. I, I think that's very possible. Um, and and I, I obviously, I think as you aptly put it uh, in your article this morning, JVL, I think that he certainly, you know, did the job riling up um, the guys with trucks uh, who are upset about the brown girl at Starbucks with the nose ring. I think he did a really great job of talking to that voter. And there are as, more of those voters than people realize. There are more of those voters that didn't turn out. There, I sp- swear to you, there are people that wear Trump red hats that didn't actually vote last time. Um, so, uh, you know, that if, I, if I'm being dour, if I'm looking at the, you know, concerning side of last night, I worry a little bit about the enthusiasm gap. I worry a little bit about 
undecideds opting out um, based on Biden's early performance. Does Trump's craziness last night not work enthusiasm in both directions? Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. I mean, I, I, I think we'll have to see. I mean, the, the negative partisanship against Trump has driven the enthusiasm so far. You know, early indications on mail voting seem to be good uh, for Democrats. Obviously, it worked in 2018 in certain places, you know, in, sub, in the suburbs, et cetera. That obviously didn't work. Um, places like Florida and the Republicans picked up seats in the Senate. So um, in, 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 a, in a landslide year. So, you know, that that concerns you about the electoral map. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it might um, JVL, uh, but um, I'm, I'm kind of focused on things to be worried about right now. And so uh, that's that's just kind of the role that I'm going to play. All right. Well, it was a long show. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? I, I don't I mean, JVL, you're like the biggest Biden stan I know. And you you last night were were when I was worried in those early minutes, you were kind of like, no, he's doing fine. Can you just talk us through your your opinion on this? Yeah, I did not. So, again, I, I just didn't see the first 20 minutes or so the way you both did with the shakiness. I was more impressed that. When so we started with Amy Coney Barrett and the questions about concerns about her and Biden framed them all along the lines of health care and pre-existing conditions. He didn't touch any of the culture war stuff. And to the extent that Biden really all night long stayed away from the culture war stuff and did not allow any oxygen into that part of the of the, the race. And the conversation, I thought that was very canny and very strong. And I don't know. I mean, if the bar was this guy is senile, he can't string five words together. Uh, you can't trust him because he looks like he's going to fall over and fall asleep. He looked to me like a guy who had rolled up his sleeves and was there and willing to fight. And I've always believed this is what the voters want. They want... They may not want like smash mouth politics, but they want somebody who is willing to really work for their vote. And Biden looked like a guy who was there to work for their vote. And I have to say, in a, it's always a mistake to ascribe actual human characteristics to people running for office because in general, they're not like us. Uh, just the, anybody who's willing to stand in front of 300 million people and say, love me, vote for me is not normal in, in any way. Uh, I felt really a great amount of sympathy for Biden for having to stand there for 90 minutes with that monster and hold himself in and not do what any normal person. So if you are, you know, out on the street and some drunk bozo comes and starts getting your face and ranting like this, uh, you know, you would slug him. This is, this is what you would do. And to have the, the self-discipline and self-control, and then also to know that you're going to have to do this again twice more. Uh, you know, God bless Joe Biden for being willing to do this. Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like too much like a stan, but I did think to myself that he is basically an American hero for holding it together and going up there and doing this and suffering for our sins. And he is suffering for the sins of a country which voted this this absolutely unfit, crazy authoritarian into office. And Biden is trying to rescue the country single-handedly. 
and God bless him for it. God, God bless him for it. Is that the most stand thing you've ever heard for Joe Biden? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, because well, not, I read no. this great Huffington Post article that uh, yesterday about like the four Biden stands that, that leads off with Kyle, uh, who's also a Bulwark fan. Uh, so uh, there are four people that are bigger stands than you, JVL. And uh, I agree with you. God bless them. And my most stand moment was when he, uh, he, he, he said last night he gave the good grandpa joke about how Donald Trump couldn't uh, uh, Donald Trump wouldn't know anything about the suburbs unless he made a wrong turn. <laughs> tickled me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should have been unless his driver made a wrong turn. Ooh. That would have been better. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of moments where he, you know. So we were all talking and talking about the the um, the coronavirus and the rallies, and he didn't say Herman Cain's name. And I think all of us were like, "Say Herman Cain, say his name, say it." And but on the other hand, like that's a, that would have been a horrible thing to do. It might have been effective. It might have been, you know, an especially good jab. But the truth is, like, Biden didn't even his calling the president a clown and telling him to shut up, man, was unbelievably mild. And the level of restraint that he showed and grace, uh, I just think it I think that it was actually kind of remarkable. And his performance was actually pretty good. Not perfect. Uh, problems here and there. But on the other hand, confronted in that situation with this guy with spittle coming out of his mouth, standing 10 feet away from you, uh, I don't think there is a perfect performance. There is no there is no way to handle that 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 is objectively good. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to keep being in the position because I don't I, I think I think I agree with everything you've said about uh, I, I thought that Joe Biden was showing quite a bit of restraint. Um, I, I thought he could have stood to show even a little bit less. I just I think that Donald Trump was so outrageous and unhinged. Um, and I thought Joe Biden just needed to figure out a little bit more how to take the wheel um, and go in his own direction and not sort of live in Trump's tempo. That being said, like it was, I mean, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, um, analysis of Chris Wallace. We didn't talk about that much, uh, here. That seems to be the big anti anti place to go is to say, well, Trump was having to debate the moderator and Joe Biden. Um, but I mean, I guess I, I'm, I feel like there are people who would have been able to, um, in the face of that, like, I think Joe Biden, I mean, at some point I was like, I, I mean, I was watching the debate through if my hands over my eyes. Star, I'm going to put my hand through my screen. Stop yourself. Um, <laughs> no, I just look, he could have the thing when he was most effective, he was most effective when he was looking straight to camera, acting totally like Donald agree. Trump didn't exist. And like, if I were him, I would have done that the entire time. And if he had done that with just a little more clarity and purpose, I think it could have gone from this it would have we wouldn't be reading headlines and I, I'm, I I agree with everybody about how ridiculous it is but he had an opportunity to win to win outright um and I think that uh while it won't change the political landscape that it ultimately was a, a draw of of just horribleness um I, I do think that that look I'm sorry I just think he could have done better all right guys that was a that was a show i i am still in an incoherent rage but i'm gonna go and do something therapeutic maybe i'll light a candle maybe i'll go for a run uh we will be back next week to break down the vp debate which will be i guess better than than this couldn't be worse don't don't 
say that. <laughs> because if this year has taught you anything, it's that things can keep getting worse. And they almost certainly do. Bye, guys. Trademark Dave. optimism. Bye.